just three black kings Giving our thoughts to society From politics, sports, music, and whatever subject fits the need We ain't trying to make a grand, we ain't trying to make a band We just want to know who's man's I'm so happy to be here, blessings, I'm blessed, I'm blessed Taylor made life Yeah, no Morocco Shock Welcome to the Who's Man's Podcast What up, there, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Who's Man's This Podcast. I'm your host, Ronda Don, a.k.a. Mr. Taylor Mate. In the middle of me, I got my man's Conrad. What's good, beautiful people? We're back for another episode of Who's Man's Is This. But, you know we have to introduce a little someone. Who's in the building tonight? Hey, I got an oldie but goodie. It's the Who's Man's Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that the yeah, sister? That's why we outsourced the phone. <laughs> was that a sister sister or a intro? You know, it was a few of them. Because <laughs> I was, that's what I was feeling all on that together. one. <laughs> it like started at sister sister. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows where it ended? I was just letting the Lord use me. Like, I don't even know. It was like sister sister <laughs> and go, smart Lord? guy. <laughs> what was it? Oh man, you you were crazy for that one. All right. Alright, so how y'all been? How y'all living? What you been up to lately? Kyra, how's it going? Hey, so my weekend really started on Thursday. What, Wednesday? Sure. Must be. Must. It wasn't really a weekend, but I went to Philly for the parade. Oh, and yeah. I was in Philadelphia for 24 hours. And it was probably the best. In le- for less than 24 hours. And it was, it was amazing. Like, I was expecting what happened on Sunday. Like, I was on guard. The whole time, like <laughs> I was ready. Like if something was gonna happen, I, I I needed to be ready. But I was in complete and utterly shock. Well, first when he got there, we got off the bus, and it was so quiet. And so I'm asking my friend, I was like, "So we not having the parade tomorrow? What's going on?" Well, I, I thought the city would be live for the next two weeks. Like I didn't think anything would die down. She's like, well, they're probably just tired and getting ready for tomorrow. So I'm like, okay. And by the way, it was just a, Philly was just a beautiful city. Like it was all lit up in green. Um, it's just, it was just for me, it was just a lot of taking it in because it one was my ever, first time ever being in Philly, and I always wanted to go to Philly. Um, so I was excited. So we got there like around 11:30. Um, Walk like a couple blocks down, meet her brothers, and we get into the bar. And I think I texted you guys. And the first thing I hear when I sit down in the bar is Miss Lauren Hill song, mm. Do Wop That Thing. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be a great Thursday. It's going to be a great one day. It's going to be a great less than 24 hours day. So we get back and whatever. So next morning, the parade starts at 11. And I had set my alarm clock, but I didn't need one because I woke up to the eagle chants at like three, like five thirty in the morning as people are preparing themselves to walk to the um, to Broad Street where the park where the parade was going to take place. It started on Broad Street and went north all the way up to um, the city hall, kind of like the rocky where the rocky um, stairs are. And Kyra, so, Kyra, what time did you? What did you say they they were on chain? What time was it? People were up at like five. 
I okay, be see, I'd be mad. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be pissed. Look, so I know we won the Super Bowl and everything. Take your ass back to bed. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was, I, you know, I was just, I heard it. I was like, damn, they're they're ready. And so I, when I heard it, I thought it was time to go. I woke up. I was like, but damn it, I still got time to sleep. Pray don't start. We're not leaving till we're not supposed to be leaving till like nine thirty, ten. So we get ourselves together, like. Everyone's out in their Philly stuff, gear, so much love. Like, everyone's like on this euphoria of just happiness. Like, so I, this my whole thing. I thought I was going to see people doing crazy stuff, like running around naked on poles and all this stuff. And it was just chill. And I guess, like, I guess that day, like, cops didn't give a damn. And maybe there was just a celebration. So they were like, we're not going to have any tickets for open containers. So my friend's brother just walks out with his big old jug mug of beer so i'm, I'm looking at him like what you, where are you going what you doing with this he's like walking to the parade i was like who you with that mug you can't leave the house with that it's not you're gonna get a ticket bro it's like and i didn't this is my first time ever hearing a philly accent it's like between a new york and boston i don't know Please what try it and Sorry. it was like, we're fucking going to the fucking parade. What the fuck you talking about, comrade? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I'm like, about, right? I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to drink my beer. So we get, you know, walking down the parade, uh, the, trying to find a spot. There's like, population of Philly is like 1.5 mil. And there was 3 million people there for just the mm. parade. People from all over. And so we're trying to find a spot. I'm like taking pictures of people in the alleys. Joints were lit for every alley I turned. There was I was getting hit with smoke. Um, there was people drinking, giving you drinks. Like take a shot of this. And I'm like I'm good. I don't know you, but thanks anyway. <laughs> um, there's old folks like these. You should be sl- still asleep, Grandma. But they're so excited. There's like 80-year-old women's out here in the cold. All these kids that don't have school because of just of a parade. I'm just like, I would never imagine this. Like, everyone was out there. So I finally see the parade. And these guys are coming down uh, where we were. And I, apparently they tweeted, the players tweeted out, like, throw beers to us onto the bus. And I don't know what I, I don't know why they thought that was a smart idea to do to tweet that because obviously the Philly fans listen to everything they say, so people are just chucking beers at the players, and like some players are catching them, drinking them, or throwing them back. Poor fan, poor family members that aren't athletic are getting smacked in the face with these beer cans, <laughs> trying to catch them. Um, overall, it was just a dope experience. Um, I'm so happy I lost a lot of sleep for it, but I don't think I'll ever change that. Um, the picture I posted on Instagram was from this random girl. She was like, "Like if you're a Philly fan, get in this alley and just take, just pose and take a picture with all these Philly fans. And if you really look close to the in it, you can see every character. Even if you don't know the person, you can just picture their character and how they talk. You have this dude with two mugs, just chilling there this black girl offer her offer <laughs> black coat posing you know having a good time it was just it was just a good time man. i can't even i'm just gonna keep saying it was a good time because it was great and the pictures you posted were of course looked like they were professional 
<laughs> Yo. Yo, oh, I, I can't believe I missed the best part of this whole story. So I almost missed my bus to leave. <laughs> so, um, I get off work, and my bus leaves at 540. I was able to get it. My work person was like, yo, I need to come in early so I can leave by, like, uh, 4 o'clock so I can make my bus. And my boss was all cool about it. So, I didn't think about the rush hour traffic at 5 o'clock Sorry. in the city. And I was, like, talking to my girlfriend. And she's like, what time's your bus leave again? And, like, I showered and everything. It's, like, 5.15. Um, like, 5.10. And I finish up and getting ready. She's like, what time's your bus? And I was like, 5.40. She's like, shit, we got to go. There is a bat. A- and she lives right off the highway, so she gets on the highway and boom, we're usually what takes like a 10-minute drive to the bus station, it became a 25-minute ride. So I'm texting my friend, I'm like, hey, I'm like running late, I'm stuck in traffic, if there's any way possible, try to stall. And then she replies <laughs> back with something I didn't want to see. Hey, I've never rode a Greyhound. What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. (laughs) I was like, all right, you should be all right, because usually Greyhound is never on time. Or if they're on time, they take forever to leave because people got to unload. And if you've ever been on a Greyhound, there's a lot of character at a Greyhound station. And so I finally, she's like, Conrad, we're pulling out. I was like, wait a minute. You just said the bus just got there and they unloaded (laughs) I'm like five minutes away from the place. Like it's like estimated was time was to get there at five forty when the bus is pulling out. And I'm like, just and if you know me, I hate being late to things. Like I get like I freak not I freak out, but I just have this feeling something like I need to get there. We need to get there now. Like I don't want to be late. We plan all this stuff. So in my head, I'm trying to like you know just be cool, be cool. You know we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there in time. It was meant to be. You have to, you're going to see the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow. That's what I'm telling myself, but really I don't believe anything I'm saying at that moment. <laughs> so she's like, Conrad, we're pulling away right now. And I'm like literally a minute <clears throat> a minute away. And I'm like, I really hope you're on the bus because don't leave. Don't wait for me. Don't like do this whole I'm going to be a friend right now and leave. Like go. Like go to Philly. <clears throat> and she's like, we're stuck in a traffic like there's like a traffic like before the bus pulls out of the station. So <laughs> Carly drops me off and I'm like, I'm jumping out of the car, like go. So like car is like halfway moving. I'm trying to jump out of the car, grab my coat, run towards the bus. Uh, I'm like giving the sign, like, yo, can I come in? I'm like doing a little Kevin Hart, like hands on the, at the chest, like, yo, can I come in? No, yeah. And all this late this older lady, I think she was on a shift change. She was just riding back to where she came from, and <clears throat> all you hear is her, hell no, you can't come on. I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't even argue. And by, let me tell you, the, the gas doors are cl- the doors are closed, and I can still hear her saying that. I just literally turned around. I didn't even argue. I didn't even, like, come on, man. Like, no, I just turned back around, head down, all sad. Like, damn it. Like, I was so damn. close. And I'm, like, halfway to get into the station door to, like, see if I can get another ticket that's, like, on the next bus or whatever it is. And I think the, the younger guy who was driving the bus must have, like, told the lady, like, come on, man, let him on, blah, blah, blah. Next thing I hear is, you better run, boy. You better run. Run. <laughs> run. 
then I just turn around and just start booking it, like, as fast as I can. And the whole time I thought she was going to cuss me out when I got on there. But she's eating her chicken wings. And she's like, whoo-hoo, boy, we almost left your ass. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I can't even say anything to her, like, because I'm like, thank you. I looked at the dude. She's like, he's like, oh, no worries. Were you going to Philly, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, right, I'll check your ticket later. And that's how I got to Philly. I almost missed it. But the Philly gods were on my side. They wanted me there. Hey, it's because you, you must be good. You must be a nice person, Conrad. God <laughs> said, God said, pause that bus. Okay. Man. <laughs> dude, dude, dude on the, the bus driver even forgot all about my ticket. And I was like, yeah, you want my ticket? He was like, oh, my bad, bro. Oh, yeah, I forgot about you. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And I got called fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> you got so happening. many lookalikes. <laughs> but yeah, that was my week, and then my weekend was chill. I mean, um, then just trying to help out one of our soon-to-be uh, sister podcasts with her thing and everything. So that was my weekend. How about you guys? Sorry, I took up like sick. twenty minutes of everyone's intro, but well, uh, <laughs> I can go next because my weekend was quiet. Well, kind of quiet. Was it quiet? Yeah, it was yeah uh, I think, uh, so, I guess, overall, I'm just getting used to uh, living in uh, Plano, Texas, and, you know, all the stuff that comes with it, it's been a journey, uh, and still going through it, uh, but Friday, I had a great, the great opportunity of meeting some fellow Spartans who live in the area, uh, our previous guest and our good friend Amber is the president of the MSU Black Alumni, uh, and she had the genius idea of having like a, a, a happy hour and getting everybody to come out and meet each other when it's not attached to a game or something like that. So it was about good showing. I got to see uh, Ronald. I was about to say your full name, but I ain't do it. <laughs> I had to see Ron and Tori and, uh, of course, Amber and, and meet some really, really cool people. Uh, it was fun. And then Saturday, uh, you know, I just kind of wandered around Plano and uh, got me a library card. I'm out here. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and I got to watch the Spartans and probably to me it was it was probably the game of the year uh, when we took on and beat Purdue uh I got to watch it with some fellow Spartans and met some more cool people and got some good connections and then Sunday uh I had the chance guys get ready for this to see Ron again oh yeah twice 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 in one month I know Talking uh, about your best <laughs> friend. <laughs> but we hung out, got some amazing chicken at Pluckers. Shout out to Pluckers. Give us some money. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I will tag you guys. Okay. Uh, and it was it was it was a good weekend. Um, it went by really fast. It felt like, but that was my weekend. How about you, Ronald? Yeah, mine was pretty good. So like you mentioned, hung out with you a couple times. So that was dope. I'm definitely excited that you are in the city. <laughs> Appreciate you taking time out of your busy welcoming schedule. And 
And then other than that, just hung out, uh, got me a haircut finally. It had been a while, so praise the Lord for that. Yeah, and got a haircut finally, since uh, the trip? It, lo- it might have been the first one of the year. I might have had one at the beginning of the year, but it definitely had been a minute. Ooh. And I usually don't go more than like two or three weeks, but just the way the time and it kept working out, I kept having to push it or couldn't do it. <clears throat> Poor girl. So I'm finally thankful to be back there. <laughs> right, I couldn't go into Valentine's Day with a nap before I had to, because I don't, I don't take too much care of it when I'm about to cut it, so I had to make sure I got rid of it. Mm-hmm. And other than that, <laughs> was just chilling. I hung out with my girlfriend and her parents. We were watching the game over at their place. So that was pretty dope to watch that win. And outside of that, just some normal, relaxing, chilling. Hey, sometimes it'd be like that. That was some good weekends we get to just relax. Well, all right, so let's go ahead and get down to business tonight. But tonight is going to be getting down a little bit different. So we went ahead and recorded our topic for tonight a little bit early because we knew we had a lot we wanted to get into. And sure enough, it ended up being a pretty long conversation that we had with a special guest of ours. So instead of giving you the normal format tonight, we're going to basically jump straight into the topic. So that means it's time for... What's on our Alright y'all, so for, night, for tonight's topic, we brought in a special guest to join us. We're bringing a good friend of mine, so definitely a friend of the podcast. Cammy's in the building, y'all. Hello. Hey, what up, what up? Yo, yo, you want to say hello to the people? Tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, first, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I'm excited for you guys and for all that you're going to do in the future. Um, my name is Camila Stinnett. I am a historian by training and all-around nerd. And um, I work in museums in D.C. and a couple other places. Yeah, I feel like you got the official nerd pass when you say you work in the museum. <laughs> and can't nobody challenge you on that. <laughs> it's a trump card. Yep. It's over. You can't, you, you can't, no you one can would. talk anything about you. Oh, you're a nerd. What do you do? Oh, I work in a museum. All right, that's cool. Okay. Yep. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. You win. You win. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> But, but I mean, I'll watch a few movies here and there. But now, though, when it comes to basically anything that's do with Black history, Black culture, Cami is the go-to source. She she knows all the history. She can tell you your roots and everything. Like this is the right here in the Human Encyclopedia right here joining us. So we appreciate it. Per- it's perfect no for this topic, man. Right. But before right, we start, so, quick question. No, quick question. Right. So, Cami, since you work at the museum, like. Obviously, it might be a little different from, like, our day-to-day jobs. So, as, like, someone who works at a museum, what do you, like, what's your title? What would someone call you as far as, like, what you do as a, is there a title or, like, your job description? Yeah, my, um, well, my job has changed over the years. Right now, I'm working in genealogy, so I'm Mm -hmm. helping people um, do their family history research. Before doing this, I was doing artifact research. So um, museums collect artifacts and they need people to research them to determine their legitimacy and to determine and establish provenance. Provenance is um, basically how the object has changed hands over time and um, who's owned it at certain points, yada, 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 who made it, etc. Um, and then I also have done um, script writing for exhibitions. You have to write a script for an exhibit, kind of like 
writing a, a script for a play or a movie. Oh, so like if I might be off, but is that like similar to like let's say if you're in a ex- specific exhibit and has a story, is that what is playing? And if someone's like reading that script, is that what you'd be like? What would be an example of what you write? Yeah. So when you go to a museum and you're reading the panels of information, there's a team okay. of people that has to write that. And so I, in the past, have been one of those people. Oh, so it takes a lot of research. So yeah. Yeah. So that when so like when when you say that you work in a museum, people are like, so you give tours, and it's like, no. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, if you're not giving tours, I'm trying to figure out what else is, you know. (laughs) Like, I want to come to DC. (laughs) So, Cammy, basically, what you're saying is, I am the museum. (laughs) (laughs) Those captures, that's me. Pictures, that's me. I am. That's me. You're welcome. (laughs) What do you want to know? (laughs) Cammy, I had a question too. Um, one, would you happen to work at the, uh, is it the National Portrait Museum? And that's my favorite museum, and I don't even know the full name of it. <laughs> um, and two, uh, were you either there when the Obamas unveiled their painting yesterday? Uh, and if not, what are your thoughts on it? Or if so, what are your thoughts on it? I was not at the natural, uh, the National Portrait Gallery. Um, which is also one of my favorite museums. I watched it online with everybody else. But I do know people who were there, though. Um, I I don't know. I liked, I liked the portraits. At first, I didn't like Michelle's, but yeah. I am familiar with the artist who did her portrait. And um, a colleague of mine had made a couple good observations. Um, the, the artist, and forgive me for blinking on her name right now, um, but the artist typically paints portraits of African Americans that we don't know. They're unidentified. And so we're not, we don't really know what these people actually looked like. So I think when we all saw Michelle Obama's portrait, we know very well what she looks like. We've been looking at her face pretty much for the past 10 years. And so because it wasn't an exact likeness, I think a lot of people freaked out about it. Um, but I think that that, that, changed my perspective of the portrait just because that's a good point like yeah we know we're very familiar with Michelle's face and her facial features and the portrait did not um capture those exactly but I think that might have been the point and the there's a story behind the the gray scale um of Michelle Obama's skin in that portrait the artist paints all of her subjects that way um as a political statement about race that's interesting. Yeah. Some good contacts. I didn't know that. The more you know. So, yeah. Right? So we, got, we have a, a future National Geographic cover lady on our podcast right now. So, I'm just going <laughs> to be well. Yeah, but remember her name when it's when the podcast's over. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we brought Cammy here to join us for two conversations you want to have tonight. One's going to be a little more fun. One's going to be more on the serious side. So we're going to kick it off on a fun note. And basically, we're going to bring up an old conversation that we didn't get a chance to fully dive into because we felt like we wanted to make sure that we had a woman's perspective along with us as we dive in. But we're going to talk about She's Gotta Have It. Not the movie itself, but mostly the TV show that premiered on Netflix. What was it? Maybe a few months ago now. So 
if you had a chance to check it out, I'd suggest you should. It was a pretty entertaining show based off the movie directed yeah, by Spike Lee. Right, come on now. It's, it's been, <laughs> Netflix is there. You get somebody's password, check it out. Literally. Okay? <laughs> I got about 13 people on mine. I don't know how, but I do. That's so real. But yeah, so and they're coming back for a season two. They just announced Oh, they announced it? Nice. Congrats yeah. to them. That's what's up. So if you haven't watched it, the conversation may be a little bit foreign to you because we're going to talk about some specific things from within the show. Uh, I'll put a timestamp in the notes for anyone who wants to skip right past into the second conversation. All right, so let's just go ahead and jump into it first. Cammy, let's just hear your th- uh, We never got a chance to hear your thoughts on the show. So what did you think about it overall? What were some of your, the highs and lows for you? I really right. liked the show. I thought it was a good introduction to... Um, one of Spike Lee's older stories. And I like that he kind of made it modern for, you know, the new millennium. I I like Nola Darling, but I don't like Nola Darling. I, I don't have an issue with how she treated um, her guys, but she, her personality is irritating to me, to say the least. I'll put it that way. But I thought it was, but I thought it was a good show, and I thought it um, raised good conversation and um, might make us reconsider some things if we haven't already. So, could you ever be friends with Nolan? Um, <laughs> probably not. Just because I felt like she, I felt like she's really selfish. Um, not, and I don't mean selfish in regards to her relationships with men, but I just felt like. She was kind of like flippant with all the friends and family in her life. And she was kind of just like a taker. And I, that bothers me. Like her godmother lets her live, you know, in her house really um, for substantially cheaper than she could be charging her rent for. And she just kind of, I don't know, I just feel like she's a little bit inconsiderate. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I agree with that as well. I couldn't see just kicking in with her because she'd get annoyed. <laughs> yeah, this, it's interesting. Uh, and I know, like, it's easier in a TV show to flesh out a character, but I didn't get that same uh, sense when I watched the movie. Like, that Nola felt a lot more independent. She felt, or I hope hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, but she felt more independent. She didn't depend on people. And that actually frustrated some of the people that she was dealing with because they wanted her to lean on them more. Um, so yeah, I agree. Uh, Nola TV, I'll call her. Uh, <laughs> she, she, uh, she is a bit annoying. Do you think uh, that's why they flipped it, Brian? Like because since like on the movie they she was such an independent woman and that they wanted to flip it around and make her less independent in a way. As far as like, because I haven't really watched the movie yet, so that's why I'm asking you. But do you think that's could tie into that? It's like Spike trying to change it up a little bit and not keep it the exact same. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely easier to uh, kind of go places with the Nola that's on a television show versus the Nola that was in the movie. Um, I think that's why the Nola that was in the movie. A generation above us they think of her as like an icon um 
as opposed to like the Nola now, a lot of people are having this same conversation, like, do I like her or not? Um, so yeah, I'm not, I, I would, I would more so be curious to know if he did make that decision, why? Like, why did he think that was, uh, either necessary or, um, why did he think that would be, I guess, more relevant to today's generation? Hmm. Hey, that's a pretty good question. I'll be definitely. If you ever get a chance to meet him, make sure you ask us, Shaq. I feel like it'd be you if it's anyone. Who, who, okay, I'm going to lunch tomorrow, so he might be there at Subway. Hey, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Subway. Know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, of course, it's Subway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, one of the main questions a lot of people have about Nola and her personality was that. Were her reasons for having multiple partners like truly because of her sex positive beliefs and her feminist beliefs, or was this more so because she was delusional and didn't know what she wanted, or, or somewhere in between? What do you guys think about that? Mm. I want to hear the guy's opinion first. Oh, I so watching it, I was stuck in between both of those because as the show started. I thought it was because of her feminist beliefs and sex positive beliefs because it was like very strong at the very beginning. But then towards the end, especially with the way I, I know we're going to discuss it later, but the last scene, like how it led up to the last scene of the uh, season, I started to feel like she was delusional at some points and not sure what she wanted. So I was just like, I was torn. I couldn't, I, it was depicted like I feel like she was a feminist and uh, her feminist and sex positive release, but then as he got the show went on, I was like, "Dog, like, what? What do you really want <laughs> right now?" Um, so that's how I viewed it. Uh, I would say like, I don't know if this. I feel like it's possible. Like, what if it was both? Like, she was, uh, you know, sex positive and very comfortable in herself and, um uh wanting that for herself but at the same time like she was confused about what did she really want and i feel like that's okay like through life we kind of we kind of feel like we're one way or 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 lean one way but sometimes we always wonder or get curious about like well i wonder what would happen if if i did this or i tried that um i say both mm. Yeah, I'm leaning. I'm leaning pretty close towards thinking it was mostly just her natural beliefs and her, her way her way of thinking. I think she definitely was confused in a lot of ways in life about what did she wanted. But I feel like when it came to relationships, she had a pretty good idea. She might not necessarily have to answer for what it was she wanted, but she knew what she didn't want, and she knew that she didn't want to be in relationships with any of these men. But she did know they could provide some type of value to her. So I felt like she may not have been out there saying, I know exactly what I want my love to look like, but I know that until I get to that stage, I'm free to explore as I please. So that's kind of what I took away from her. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I think she's definitely um, sexually liberated and um, sex positive. Um, And I think she really wanted each guy for different reasons, but she just didn't want all of them. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't think she knows what she wants at the same time, but I think it's interesting. One of the things that I thought was interesting about the, um, the conversations that the show sparked was 
that men don't generally get lampooned for not knowing what they want. Like men are kind of expected to, you know, give women the runaround and juggle a handful of women at, at the same time. And they don't get judged or criticized because they don't quote unquote know what they want. Um, but she did. And she, um, and I think, I think, I think Ron is right. I think in many areas of her life, she didn't know what she wanted, but in this area she did. And she wanted different parts of each of these men. She just didn't want each of them fully. And I mean, they, they might not have been wild about it, but they wanted to be with her and said they were going to take whatever they could get. So do you think, because uh, <clears throat> I always try to tie in, uh, what was the girl, the lady's name that she was also messing with? Oh, I forgot um, her Opal. name. Opal. Opal, yep. Opal. Do you think she found all those three guys in her? No. I think Opal was just number four. It was just number four? Yeah. I think Opal I think Opal was somebody that she probably could have formed a relationship with, but I think this is a situation where the messiness, um, her messiness in other parts of her life interfered with that. So like she's not reliable, she's she's flaky, she's selfish, she's inconsiderate, and so she kind of waltzes back into Opal's life and, you know, makes an attachment with Opal's daughter and then kind of blows them off because that's what she does. And then she saunters back as if everything's okay. And Opal's like, nah. Um, and I think that Opal being like, like, nah, I'm good. Like, have a nice life. I think that hurt Nola. And I think it might, I don't know if it made her wake up a bit, but it was probably a good thing to have happened to her that you can't you can't always jerk people around yeah i think it definitely humbled her at the very least made her realize that everybody's not worshiping her like the way those men are true that's true all right so let's talk about a few specific scenes that were dentists show that people wanted to hear something about so I'm, i'm trying to go in order that they happen if i remember correctly so the first one I'm gonna talk about is the let's just call it the black dress incident. Incidents really, because there was multiple situations. So you all remember the scene when she got her new dress, she was looking good, feeling herself, and she mm-hmm. went out with all, with all three of the guys and kind of all had their own situation involved in the dress. Yeah. So, you know, what were your guys' thoughts? Which took took away from that? Do you think that she was justified in her reactions? Do you think that the guys were out of line, or what were your, what were your thoughts? I think it's important to um, mention why she wore the dress and why uh, she went on a date with each of them in the same dress because of the therapist she was going to who told her um, it, it was it was to combat the the assault that happened to her, right? Yeah. Um, and the therapist <clears throat> told her, you know, don't let that define you. Go out and find something that makes you feel sexy and that's what happened right did i miss anything no i think that's good so she wore the dress she went out with the guys and how did this start off with who did she go out with first yeah yeah so she went out with jamie 
they were at a nice restaurant. I don't know if the location was important, but they were out in public. He was uncomfortable with it, tried to get her to cover up. So yeah. she, she didn't yeah. feel too good about that. Well, let's just break it down. But let's go about your situation. So how do you guys think? Do you think she was justified in that, in that situation? Yeah, I think. Um, I think so. She, I mean, if I'm honest, that dress was just not provocative. I mean, if they were trying to, I just, she was mostly covered. It was skin tight and yeah, it was short. But I mean, still, there are worse, there are much worse dresses. And I don't really think it was quote unquote bad enough for Jamie to react the way he did. Um, and I think, I think it's interesting because had they had gone to a restaurant that had a lot of black patrons, he probably wouldn't have reacted the way he reacted. Um, so I think, I think she was justified in how she reacted with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think she hit it too. And I noticed that, um, right off the bat and it was kind of more of like, you can't be looking like that around all these white folks because they're going to start judging me because I'm usually like the black, you know, businessman carries himself well. And you're in this dress that is provocative that these, you know, white people in here aren't used to seeing, don't see a lot of, um, probably don't see a lot of black females in, in their restaurant. So he was just trying to like dumb her down to, to fit in when she's trying to, in her whole message, she's trying to find herself or find her sexy, be more comfortable in her body. And he's like trying to like bring her down to like, conform to the society they were in in that moment and so i do think she was justified to react that way yeah i totally agree with both of you like the fact that now he brought her into his world and it felt almost felt like he was he was upset at her for behaving the way she was behaving but she wasn't even doing it nothing (laughs) exactly being herself (laughs) she was just chilling (laughs) Yeah, she was like, hey, you invited me to dinner. Let's go. Um, <laughs> and I think she, like, you know, is no, he doesn't have any problem with her dressing that way when, you know, they're in the privacy of her house or um, maybe in her environment. But um, as soon as it's around his people, if you will, or who the people we think are his people, um, he gets uncomfortable. And I also took away, like, throughout like this whole um um sequence like you can kind of look at it and see why each of the guys are not for her or why she doesn't see it for each or giving herself to one of those guys because they each kind of showed some of their true colors um in each of the each of the scenes what do you think Ron? yeah i mean that's a pretty good point you just made there about them each showing their true colors and I mean, as far as this scene goes, I'm in complete agreement with y'all. So we can kind of just talk, move on to the next one, which was, I believe, when she went out with Mars, right? And uh, they went out to a concert, and she was wearing a dress. Yeah. Yeah. And he, wasn't he, like, mad because some dude was trying to holler at her or something? Like, that was when it all started? Yeah, the guy tried to get her attention, and it caused a little situation. And, you know, not nothing too crazy, but at the end of the night, as they were leaving, he kind of, you know, basically alluded to the saying that she caused it by wearing that dress it was her fault yeah. for bringing that attention which is what set her off in that situation so what do you guys think was she justified there definitely i mean she's this is the conversation we have we should be having more but a lot of times people are 
they try to use this uh, argument as a uh, a vice or a uh, scapegoat um, for women that because the way they're dressed, they're asking for it. First of all, she was having a good ass time on the dance on the um, stage while Mars was around her. It wasn't like she was like trying to go for the dude. Dude came around, tried to dance with her. It wasn't even anything serious. But the fact that Mars had to use that as an example is because of your dress. She had every right to be like, come on, dude. Like, I don't know why it's like the first thing guys go to as like a scapegoat. It's like you want to see your girl at her sexiest, you know, feeling comfortable. But then we get uptight and uncomfortable when other dudes <laughs> are checking are checking our girl out. And I'm just like, why is that so hard for us? If we can accept and are comfortable and trust our, our woman out and about with us, first of all, she's with you. Um, and then you, we get so riled up and uncomfortable when another guy or another man checks her out or, you know, I understand if she's, they're disrespecting your woman and she's dressed this way or whatever, but if they're looking at your girl, that should be like, yeah, that's my girl. She's beautiful. She's comfortable. She can do whatever she wants. She can dress the way she wants. I'm with her. She feels sexy. She's having a good ass time. And that's it. They were dancing with each other, but he just had to use that as a scapegoat because he felt uncomfortable and he wasn't. And he wasn't uh, confident or trust trusting in his ability as a guy, as him dating or whatever their situation was at that moment, to be like, it's cool, like no big deal, you know. But it's just something I we know I notice as males we do all the time. We're so we want this, we want our women to feel comfortable. But as soon as we step outside with them, and some of the guy bats an eye, and I think it's okay. Yes, the protective tendencies and stuff. But sometimes you, at the same time, we got let our women be because if you trust your woman. You should be fine. So two things here. Conrad, you preach in one, okay? I would <laughs> buy the sermon. I would. Uh, two, I can't even fake the funk. I'm one of those guys sometimes. Like, Because <laughs> 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 <can't... laughs> my girlfriend is so beautiful. If y'all can't tell, she's listening, kind of. So, you know, <laughs> kind of loud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But we'll be out, and it has nothing to do with what she's wearing. I, I don't do that. You know, I don't tell her it's because of what how she's dressed or whatever. But I'll notice a dude, like, take a double look, or some dudes just stare. And I'm like, yo, like, get your boy. Like, what's your boy doing over there? <laughs> what, what's going on? And I get all uptight and weird, and I start grabbing and, like, hugging. And I'm like... I look back on it. I know it's stupid. Okay, I know it. Conrad just told me it's stupid. I get it. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't get on this podcast and like <laughs> start start agreeing without at least admitting the fact that uh, I'm guilty of that sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> That's all I had to say for that. Sorry. <laughs> I have a moment of truth. Sorry. What about you, Cammy? What do you think? I mean, he he definitely overreacted. I mean, that's just ridiculous. The if the issue is you don't like some guy up all all up on your girl, that has nothing to do with her. She was just at the show having a good time, like Conrad said. So I, yeah, I mean, I think I I think she's justified in in all of her reactions, um, in the black dress scenarios, really. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, let's talk about the last one. So, I think this is the one that um, I've heard mixed things about, the most mixed things about, which was when she was back at, uh, what's the homeboy's name? 
Greer. Yeah, Greer. When she was back at Greer's studio and he started taking pictures of her, you know, he was captivated by her beauty and the dress and he got it all in his own and started making her uncomfortable. And then she went off on him as well. So what do you guys think? Do you feel like she was justified in her reaction when he was kind of taking it too far to photography? Yeah, I think she was justified because she was uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, by all means, you know, state that. I think the weird part and why people... I know when I was watching, I almost, I didn't feel bad for Greer, but it almost felt like since he was last in line and she had already dealt with these other two situations, that he probably wasn't gonna, gonna come out of this, uh, unscathed in any way. Like, he was gonna feel the burn somehow. Um, it just, it, it was a little weird because you could tell that they had done that type of thing before. Yeah. Like, they had, you know, he's the photographer. He's, you know, they, I think he even says it in the scene, like, we've done, you know, this is what we do. Um, and it, it just felt like, that one felt a little bit like it was too much uh, coming at him. I can understand, like, telling him, like, chill out, you're doing too much. But then she, like, just went off. What do you guys think? I think there's a reason why she went off, though. Um mm-hmm. Because they were laying on the bed, right? And he, I think he asked her um, if he could take her picture. And he said, if that's okay or something like that. And so she agreed and it was fine. And she started talking to him about his art. And she was complimenting him. And he kind of like shushed her and interrupted her while she was speaking. And so I think she got, she got irritated and he basically ignored what she was saying and was just like, just be quiet and let me take your picture. And then she asked him to stop and he didn't stop. And I think that that is a parallel of how a lot of women are assaulted. And so I think she was probably just triggered and went off on mm-hmm. him um, because that is literally how it happens. A woman says something, the guy doesn't listen, and um, her her emotional response is, you know, he he doesn't care. He um, he shushes her, minimizes what she's saying, and does what he wants to do anyway. And so I think that's why she mm-hmm. blows up. Yeah, that makes sense. So that you, makes you a lot of sense. Feel like in yeah. that moment she was triggered. Yeah. Yeah. So Cammy, can I ask this for the guys? Um, and. I'm going to speak for myself. How about that? Um, do you feel like um, if she were to look back at it or look back on it and think like, oh, I probably did too much in that situation, do you think she would owe Greer an apology? No? I don't know, because he... What he his quote unquote offense wasn't it wasn't as as bad I guess you could say if you're trying to like measure measure this or compare it between um, Jamie and Marge but it's still him disregarding how she feels and what um, not only just how she feels but what she has said she's established a boundary and he crossed it. Um, and so in the context of what happened to her not too long ago, 
it makes sense why she reacted the way she reacted and why she felt the way she felt. And I don't remember if he, if, did she, has she told them about the assault at this point? I don't believe she has. Okay, so yeah, so then, I, so then, I don't know. He definitely didn't know at that point, I felt like. Like, there was no, no one had known besides maybe her, her female friends. Yeah, I don't know. I think either way, I still don't think she owes him an apology. Because, I mean, from where he sits, she, you know, got mad that he didn't stop taking her picture when, um... When she asked him to, and you know, he interrupted her when she was speaking and kind of disregarded um, what she was saying. She got mad and stormed out. Like that's not that bad. Like he'll be all right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's talk about, in my opinion, one of the low points of the show, which was when they had that. On the final episode, they had that crazy Thanksgiving dinner scene. Hold on. So, hey, hold wait, on. wait, 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 wait. Before, wait, wait. Before we go into that, was that? Isn't there another topic we had before that? The whole uh, 10k declining thing. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, so there was a segment where uh, she, Jamie, attempted to buy one of her photos or one of her portraits for ten thousand dollars, which I believe she initially declined, or she accepted immediately. I don't think she took it at first, but she did eventually want want to use it, and then it ended up not being available anymore. She got mad at Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not laughs> so, what do you guys think? I, I feel like this is a perfect example of why <laughs> people don't like fully like Nola, because it was like you told me you didn't want it. <laughs> you said it. You told me in in many words. Why you didn't want it? Why you felt like it was disrespectful? Like, like why um, you don't need my money? And then when I take it back, and why, I forget why he took it back. I wish I would have watched the show over. I watched it back when it came out. But um, there was a reason why he took the money back, if I remember correctly. Well, wasn't also dealing with his wife? Because that's when you, he being sent back the picture, right? Was that the same yeah, time during the whole... Picture, yeah. yeah, she found. She it found the and picture, and then he had he gave the picture back. Um, but I think he still gave her the money, didn't he? With the picture, or is that after? Well, either way, either way, she got ten k and said no, and he said all right, bet. <laughs> and then she got mad. <laughs> I mean, look, I if I go to spend ten dollars somewhere and I I, t- I return it, I don't, I'm not about to get mad at the bank for not giving me my money back. They like you said you don't want it, like you gave it back. Like, I, I don't know what was going on in that scene. Yeah, I mean that was one of those moments where I was like, why do you even like? Like, why are you so in love with her? Like, obviously, she has these issues that she needs to figure out before she could even... Before you think about leaving your wife or her, you gonna, you gonna leave your wife for this? Your whole this wife? <laughs> your whole wife? You gonna leave? Hey, your whole, whole wife son? That you whole finished basement? Like, you gonna right. leave that? Right. 
was a nice basement, though. <laughs> you gonna leave all of that <laughs> for her? When she is still trying to figure out so much in her life, I don't know. I've never understood his logic on that. <laughs> he sent he sent it to her in an envelope. Yeah, yeah he eventually came and in she, and gave it to her. Huh? Yeah. Oh, I thought he um because he bought the painting, right? Right. And that's where she got. Isn't that where she got the money? That's where she yeah, got the check. And then yeah. his wife found the so painting and he gave it back. Yeah, so then didn't he give her it in cash? Yep. And well, that was that was after she got pissed off. Right? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. so yeah. then, so this is where Nola is irritating, but at the same time, <laughs> this is, in regards to the painting, this is a business transaction. And so if you took my painting or you bought my painting, I expect to be getting money and... I need some type of heads up if that's no longer the case. Um, but this is also, this is, I don't know, this is just part of her messiness. Like, yeah, yeah your 10K is quote unquote yours, but it's also coming out of his joint bank account with his wife, who he did not obviously run this by. Um, but I still feel like. She she had a right to be irritated about about the check bouncing, um, and I I probably would have done the same thing after the fact. Like he gave her the ten grand in cash later. I probably I don't know. I probably would have been like honorary and prideful and not have accepted it. But I don't know. I'm cheap, so I don't see me turning down ten grand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, you know, the way my... Especially when you're in a rough part of your life, trying to figure out a big grant, trying to figure out a big all this stuff, and then you see 10K comes up after you've been, like, praying for someone to buy your picture, your painting, and artwork. But I get it. Right. No way. But that does bring up a point. Like it was a, um, it was a business transaction. And I know this is not one of our questions, but for her, like they didn't, they didn't uh, put a lot of this in the show, like how business savvy she was with her paintings. But what did you guys think about her getting upset that he bought a painting for or from her? Or, like, how she handled basically her business, if you will. What did you guys think of that? I feel like she was letting her feelings get get too involved. Like, because at the end of the day, it's a business, and you, and you need that money. And she just let her own personal feelings get in the way of it. Which I could, I, to her defense, I understand why. Because it's, it's a very close person to her. And I can understand why she would have been offended. But if you're looking at it from a pure business standpoint, then, yeah, her business was messy. I kind of also think the reason she was not happy with, about it is because, like you said, she has that relationship. And I think she wanted her paintings to be bought by actual people that were there admiring her art. Like that, for like that, uh, who was that, that white dude that came to see her? And she was all flustered because the three guys were there, that he was like a big name blogger about art. 
And, yeah, I, and I think about. She, and I think she wanted someone like him to buy her paintings because that will put her on. So, and also I also saw it this way is that him buying that painting was kind of like a, of a like a pity thing. Like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna buy this painting. One, I like it because it's you. Two, I want to show that I can, you know, you can make this money. And it's like, yeah, it's it's Jamie. But he's really not an art guy. He's not someone who's there for art. He was just there for her. And he, she's trying to like build this brand of hers. And she wants actual people who are who are in the business of art to buy her art. And that was her whole reason she was at that gallery. So I can see why she was also spiteful. Like, I don't need your money because I know you can buy this painting. I want people who are actually going to put me on for who are going to buy this painting. That's how I looked at it. Yeah, I we all kind of <laughs> we we've been liking someone or dating someone, and they are part of something that they're selling, whether it be Girl Scout cookies or their own their mixtape, <laughs> you know, or um or something like that, and we we kind of support them even though we know we ain't gonna never listen to it, <laughs> never use it, never look at it, <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that's real, but I ain't never did it for $10,000. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> that's the start and the finish. I like it. You're right. <laughs> that's a lot of money pretend to like. Alright, All right, so like I was saying, with, with uh, mentioned earlier, so the next thing we're going to talk about was the low point in the series for me, because to me, it just didn't make any sense from the jump. And that was her Thanksgiving quote-unquote Thanksgiving dinner scene which I'm gonna say before we even really get into it I was just so surprised these dudes would even show up for this like I know they were expecting it to be all each one of them were expecting it to be just her one-on-one and she ended up inviting all three so when they get there they all met each other but I just don't know how she found three guys who were willing to give up Thanksgiving family with Thanksgiving dinner with their family <laughs> just to come be with her one-on-one like <laughs> I've been loving it but like, well, why gotta be just us? Why can't I come get some macaroni? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what threw me off from the jump. But so I, I could definitely understand why each one of those guys were pissed where they, everything they probably gave up to be there with her and then they got something completely different. And what, what, what did you guys think about the, uh, that scene? Well, I, mean, I think it's important to mention that this is directly from the movie. Um, the only difference in the movie is the guys knew about each other from jump. Uh, as opposed to the TV show where they gradually found out about each other and all literally found out at the art museum that night, I think. Or they found out maybe after that. They found out at dinner, but they met at the museum that night, didn't know it. Yeah, okay. In the movie, they all know each other and they still all show up for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, I actually loved this episode. I mean, the Prince dance along kind of helped. But I thought it was I thought it was pretty interesting, if you will, that hey, let's be honest, guys would do a lot of stuff for a girl, okay? Including leave their family for Thanksgiving to go <laughs> be with this girl, even if they gotta share her with some other dudes, okay? I didn't did a lot of crazy stuff, alright? Um I thought that it was I I I think it's pretty true. Like I feel like guys would do that. You would leave your family. You would uh, kind of go be with this girl, even if you don't know what's going to happen when you get there, if anything will happen at all. So I actually liked it. 
So for well, me, it was more. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I I'm on uh, Ron's side. It's just the thing for me is, I was actually hyped when they all showed up. I just didn't like the way it transpired. Like transpired as far as like the whole musical thing and the. I, I it just I thought it was gonna be more exciting once they were all there. I didn't expect a fight or anything, but I was expecting more like. Even the way they were trying to like battle each other to show who was the best was just so corny to me. Like, look at me, no, no, look at me, no, like kind of thing. It was just the only person I feel like that was really not there for it was Greer. He really wanted to leave, but at the same time, he just felt like I can't leave these dudes there because if I leave, then Noah's not gonna pick me. Yeah. But the other twos were like in a Mars is just Mars. He's <laughs> childish and everything, so everything he did was childish in a way. But it's just I didn't like the way it all came together i was expecting a lot more once they met and it just wasn't there for me it was just corny to me the scene that scene at least i think i agree with um with brian because one it was entertaining it was also cringeworthy just because i would never do anything like this (laughs) like this that's like horrifying to me personally but i thought the scene (laughs) was really interesting and yeah the scene um is the is close to the original movie um but it's essentially what they've been doing the whole time they just didn't know it um i mean this is them acting out their lives in a room essentially because they've been competing for her attention even when they didn't know each other were there and then once they found out that each other were in the picture they still come stay to compete and then by the end of Thanksgiving dinner, they learned to share. And that was that. So I thought, I don't know, I thought it was interesting. I've always liked that. Hey, so what did y'all think about that painting that she unveiled? <laughs> y'all remember that? <laughs> <laughs> that did I definitely enjoyed that part of that episode. <laughs> yeah, that was, I forgot about that part. <laughs> Man, that humbled a couple of guys in that picture. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't imagine like meeting these two dudes and they're sitting there right next to them when she whips out that photo and just exposing right, her. Right, like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, we ain't talk about that. <laughs> That's really why Greer didn't leave. He was like, I saw that. Hey. Right. <laughs> Boy, <Greer. laughs> but I, I, it is interesting the way uh, Cammy you put it at the end. How he said, like, they ended up learning to share because the, the the way it ended, I was still trying to figure out what what is that. But now the way you put it in that way, it was I guess they do learn to share because they all fall asleep on the bed together, and then they eventually both leave at different times. But yeah, that's interesting to put it that way. I, and I like so in the movie. Uh, what's his name, Jamie, stays the entire night and wakes up with her. And if you, I don't want to, well, I don't want to ruin the movie. It's literally 30 years old. Just touch uh, <laughs> Jamie is the one who gets her at the end, or so you think. And then she comes back and says, yeah, that lasted for like two weeks. And I went back to basically what I was doing. Um, I, like in, I like this part of the TV show that they all pretty much leave and to cammy's point like yeah 
we all have to we they all like this girl maybe love some of them man falling in deep they're in deep yeah and it's like they are refusing to give it up because to ron's point ron i think the reason you hate you don't like this episode is because you would you could never be one of these guys or so you think well you won't because we know you ain't going back there you know um, but, <laughs> but in this, like, these guys cannot live without her. And they know that if they walk out that door, they're saying goodbye to this 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 woman that they've obsessed over in some ways uh, for all this time. And they're not going to give up all that. I feel like guys sometimes feel like we're, we put in work. I, we actually say that, oh, I'm putting in work over here. And you don't want to kind of give that up. And I feel like that's why, even though Greer is always the one trying to get out the door, he knows that, hey, I've worked so hard to get her. And I feel like I'm closer to her than any of these other dudes. And each dude feels that same way. Um, And I like the fact that at the end, hey, we all got to share her, to Cammy's point. But we all got to leave because none of us can actually have her. We all got to go back to our own lives. And I... I think it was the perfect, in my opinion, set up for season two and to see how they kind of um, uh, kind of take Nola into this next chapter after, you know, it's no longer a secret. Everybody knows who everybody is. Everything's on the table, like who sticks around, who decides to peace out, uh, how do you peace out, uh, is it a blow up, like what's going to happen? And I feel like that's why I kind of like that that was the way they ended the season. Even with Opal coming in at the end, it was still like, well, we know that Opal already said that she's not going to deal with her shit. So why is she back here? Like, what does that mean? Um, it, it was it was cool to me. And look, we all know Spike loves Prince. Um, and Prince was going to be a part of this in some type of way. Uh, so even though like the the choreographed dance may have seemed a little corny, I still thought like it fit with the scene. Like we all got to learn how to if we want to keep her, we all have to be in tune with each other, and we all have to like dance to her song, if you will, and go after her. So I appreciate it. I'm mad you put that deep meaning on it because I, I know, man. I'm corny, like, kind of appreciate it. So, congrats. I was just listening. I was like, damn it. Uh, you will make it. Now I'm looking back. Now I'm looking back at like Grizz's outfit. I'm like, that's so Prince. I'm like, it just, everything is connecting now. Good job. <laughs> All right. So before uh, we switch topics, anything else you want to mention about the show? Any last thoughts? Or are we good? Good. I just hope uh, season two starts off on a big note. Yeah, I was a little bit iffy about whether I wanted to keep going, but you kind of do have me curious about wondering how they all going. You know, now that they know about each other, so I think I'm gonna definitely see, see how the first couple episodes go and see if I want to keep it going. See what Noah's up to. But all right, now we can go ahead and switch to the second topic for tonight. So this one has a little bit more of a serious conversation around it. You may remember um, a little bit over a month ago, I think at this point, there was a rumor going around about Michael B. Jordan, about black women being upset at Michael B. Jordan because he's not dating a black woman and he's dating a white woman. So, turns out, fake news, the whole movement that was being started behind that never actually happened. 
But we wanted that's to have a, a conversation about it anyways because one, I mean, it was we easily believe it. I think that that says a lot about how much that sentiment exists within our culture and our community. That it wasn't even really a question about whether or not there's something that could happen. It was just kind of like, oh, of course it's happening. So we, we want to bring in Cami, especially for this conversation, to kind of help bring some more context around it, bring give us some insight, and then definitely give us that perspective of, from a black woman. So I'm just going to open up the floor with our first question and more so of a topic starter. Is can you just tell us a little, Cami, can you tell us a little bit more about, historically speaking, can you give some context into why as a whole, black women may be upset at black men for dating outside the race or specifically dating a white woman? Sure. Um, well, it's all really sorted and really complicated. Um, but, I mean, we all know that white women have been placed on this pedestal um, and they were put there oddly by white men, even though white women, um, you know, have been you know, mistreated throughout their history as well. Um, but the pedestal that they sit on is really, really um, important because the concept of white womanhood is a central part of white supremacy. And what I mean when I say that is that a lot of the stereotypes that exist around black women and black men are there in relation to white women and white womanhood. So, for example, black women's bodies are, you know, inherently only good for sex, you know, lustful, um, sinful, whatever, because that is not how white women look. Um, and, I mean, this stuff is really old. Like, you can read, um, like, you can read journal entries from the 1400s from Portuguese slavers when they, you know, arrive on the coast of West Africa and they're opining about what they see and the people that they that they interact with and they're making all of these observations and judgments about black men and black women um, based on appearance. Um, in regards to black men, you know, black men are a danger to society because they are a threat to black women. I mean, I'm sorry, to white women. Um, so a lot of this is surface level, you know, based on, you know, physical appearance, you know, body shape, skin color, hair texture, you know, facial features, etc. But it's really much, much, much deeper than that. And the the stereotypes and the focus on physical appearance, appearance kind of serve to um, obscure some of the more nefarious and sinister meaning behind all of this. Um, if you look at really any time white people want to enact a bunch of racist laws or policies or if, you know, white elites want to, you know, prey upon the fears of you know poor whites or middle class whites the fear that black men are going to rape white women is usually what they jump to the um i think it's dw griffith's um birth of a nation movie in the early 1900s i mean that was like the central trope of that film was this wild you know savage black man out you know free raping all of these white women and that's 
that's been the stereotype about you guys for hundreds of years. Um, but not only that, um, white womanhood is something that white women have weaponized and they use it to their advantage. So a lot of um, a lot of issues that black women have with white feminism or feminism in general is because white women, even though they claim not to, they have a thorough understanding of where they sit in the power structure. And a lot of them... <clears throat> use that to their advantage. So, you know, thousands of black men were lynched because a white woman lied and said that, you know, a black man raped her or looked at her funny or whistled at her or, you know, made eye contact or scared her or whatever. Um, and so you have, I mean, you have this going on for a long period of time. But during this time, especially after slavery, you have, you have black men who get lynched because they had consensual sex with a white woman and, you know, it's found out. And to save her butt, she lies and says that, you know, she was raped or whatever. And knowing all of all of this, knowing what you know um, about what they have done, can do, will do, still do, you know, black men still continue to risk life and limb, literally, to be with white women. And so... For black women, <clears throat> it's kind of like it's kind of like betrayal in a way because you know what is possible and for a long time what was probable, and yet you do it anyway. The other side of this is that white women have been made, you know, the pedestal they sit on is, you know, they're they're the ideal trophy, a trophy wife. Um, and for a lot of men, that's the goal. A lot of men want to have <clears throat> a woman on their arm in their home that um, they can prop up and that will make them look good. And a lot of black men, to be quite honest, aspire to whiteness. And I really think that even, and I don't think all black men who date outside of the race feel this way, obviously, but there are a lot of black men who do um, want what white men have, which is power and um, access. And they feel that white women can get that for them. That's not the case, but they do it anyway. Does that make sense? Mm. Yes. Mm. Very much. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. When your book coming out? because <laughs> right. i already bought one on amazon i just want to make sure that my money uh you know don't get returned <laughs> <laughs> no but thank you definitely that provides some really great context for the situation because i think that when we hear about these things happening in today's society a lot of people kind of feel like maybe those things are no longer those like things that you've mentioned about the dangers behind it and the risk. Those may not be as much of a concern, but I think it's important to remember that that history is still there. And yeah. these thoughts didn't just come out of nowhere. It wasn't just random hate or jealousy. It's, I mean, it definitely is that, but there is definitely a path that led us here right. to having this mindset. And this stuff still, yeah, I, I mean, it's not just, it's not just in the past. I mean, there was, was it yesterday or the day before some, some college, was it a, a basketball player? Um, mm -hmm. um, kicked a, he kicked a white girl out of his hotel room because he found out that she was 19. And so she called him in response, she called him a nigger and then tried to say that he, 
raped her or assaulted her and got like really belligerent and um this happens all the time it still happens all the time um and even if it doesn't have anything to do with rape i mean that thing that that stunt lena dunham pulled a couple years ago with um odell beckham jr i think it was at the met gala where she had made up this whole story about what he thought of her and what you know how he felt about her body and they never even spoke and it's like what is that you know and so when so when when black women come to you guys' defense in scenarios like that we're met with a lot of black a backlash and we're said that we're just jealous or you know whatever and i agree um i mean this this topic is definitely it's hits home with me since I am in an interracial relationship with um, my girlfriend, and but at the same time, I still have these discussions with black men, young black men, um, even at Michigan State. Um, like we see all those stories about these black athletes, and we've talked about this before. And I made this comment saying, like, I always used to tell them, like, don't mess with these, you know, sorority white girls, because most of the time they're just here for your jersey. They're not here for truly who you are as a person most of the time. They're not here to support you through all the craziness is going to go through as a as a black athlete. And it, yes, I mean, obviously, like Ron says, it does. There are people out there who are just straight up just haters, but most of the time, um, intellectual people and who are trying to support black men, they do have that remorse of seeing like. Um, you know, why are you wasting your time with someone who really doesn't care for you, especially when you have people on your backbone that care for you? So I, everything Cammy's saying is hidden home and it makes sense. So and I think it's also enlightening to open people's eyes that it's not always just about being haters in today's society where it's it's all about, well, we're in 2018 now and interracial uh, love is, you know, perpetuating in all corners of the earth. But we can't just blanket it with that. Um, we still got to learn behind what's truly behind everything, you know. And so I, that's why I'm even more excited to have this discussion. Yeah, so I think another thing that um, someone mentioned today I wanted to hear a little bit more about was the impact that these relationships have on the lineage within black families. So Kevin, being that you work so closely with, like you mentioned, exploring the roots of people's genealogy, is it something that you see often as you're doing your research? I mean, it's it's an interesting question just because I don't mean I I don't think the world is in danger of running out of black people or <laughs> or anything. Um and we I mean we know that because of slavery, black people can have a little bit of everything in their in their background, um in, in their lineage. And it doesn't, you know, that hasn't necessarily precluded them from being black per se. Um so I don't really know how to how to answer this? What the effect um, on interracial dating, like what effect interracial dating has on black families? I think maybe one effect could be that you know your family over time would eventually not be black anymore. Like Conrad, you say you're in a interracial relationship, so I mean, if you if you guys get married and you guys have kids, and your kids marry white, and then their kids marry white, like you end up being the only black person at the family function which should be fine to you i mean it's your family you should love them 
Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't think that would be an issue for you, um, or anyone else that would be in your situation. If it was, then I would think that person should sit down with themselves and ha- ask themselves some difficult questions. It's funny, um, I read this article maybe like a year or two ago, um, with this, biracial black woman she was half black half white and she married a white man and she was pregnant with their first kid and in the article she was saying how she was scared that the kid wasn't going to come out looking black and how she was proud of you know being black and um proud of her you know black ancestry and her ancestors and all this but she so she was scared that her kid would um come out looking white and would not um be able to share that um pride per se just because they wouldn't look it and so they wouldn't necessarily they would not be treated as such um and I thought that was interesting I mean obviously if you date someone who is not of your race like you should be open to the possibility of your kids looking nothing like you or looking different um than how you look um so, I mean, it was just, it was interesting. I don't think I had ever heard someone in that situation say that that was a concern they had. That is different. Because, I, I mean, I would hope she knows how genetics work, but... <laughs> right. Might not, <laughs> might not know that, but that is interesting. I mean, we hear all these, like, freak stories of... Um, interracial couples where one of their kids is completely looks like the one like a black person and another one looks completely white and or for instance i have a colleague who is mixed black and white but she appearance looking she completely looks white like i would never put two cents that she doesn't have the you know that olive caramel skin or the curly you know hair she just has pale skin red hair and you've never known that she is mixed so it's yeah i've never even thought of someone thinking that in a way it almost asks me builds a question of like then why does she marry or take that next step to date someone if she those are some things that she was worried about i guess is a question i would think yeah, it was just, it was just, I had never come across anything like that before. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, that is something I wonder how, I wonder how she's doing now. I kind of wonder if that has their child. Been doing <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So another question that's on people's mind is that in this specific scenario, there was a the situation because she was dating, he was dating a white woman. So is this something that purely dates relates to black men dating white women or is it really just black men dating outside their race in general? Um, it's black women, I mean, it's black men dating outside the race in general. Um, I think maybe black men who date white women get it, you know, get it quote unquote the worst. Um, but non-black people of color can be extremely anti-black. And if your reasons for not dating black women are the same, it doesn't really matter if the woman is white or otherwise, if she's not black. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I agree with that. 
So I guess my question is, do you think that, and this is why I'm someone from, uh, what all you guys think, do you think that it does necessarily deserve to have more weight placed on it if they're dating someone, if they're only dating white women specifically, because kind of like what Matthew kind of mentioned earlier, could it be perceived as chasing that dream of wanting what white men have, or do you think that if someone just happens to be, they just happens to be who they fall in love with, or who they end up then they not deserve that scrutiny specifically because of that race of people that are choosing to fall in love with? Like, do you think that extra weight being placed on a woman being white is valid? I do, but we can hear from the guys and circle back to me. Um, to me, for me, it's tough because I do date a white woman, so it's tough to get that scrutiny on someone, especially just based off on her appearance, um, and not knowing who she is at heart and what she, you know, may support me or do what, whatever for me as a black man. And I had this conversation one of our earlier episodes when someone asked us if any of us are in a relation interracial uh, relationships and if we expect our significant other to ever understand what um, you as a black man goes through and <clears throat> for me it's it's tough because like I know who she is I know what where her heart is and I know she cares for me and loves me and I love her just as much and even more but at the same time, it's just like something that is, it's not going to be, you know, I won't walk in a room and never have that same, like, I won't walk in a room the same way as if Ron or Brian walks in a room with um, their significant others who are black. And it's just a, you know, oh, it's just, it's just Ron and Tori. It'll always be, I walk in a room and the first thing they'll notice is it's a black man with a white woman. And then either I'll be accepted and like people just carry on their days or you'll have you know some people might you know roll their eyes and be like oh here's another black guy with another white woman white woman and it's just it's tough for me because it's just like you don't necessarily know everything within this relationship and i I get what ron was asking is like if you fall in love with this person and solely you're falling in love with them because of the way they make you feel they treat you right they treat you this in this particular way and then of course they're white on top of that i don't necessarily think they deserve this they they deserve the scrutiny they'll get by society because you're you're a black man dating a white woman and i think there's a question later that depicts that is a problem really dating outside your race or is a problem really the reasons for dating outside your race are you dating outside your race because you can't you think your own black women or your own whatever race you are is degrading to you. You can't stand them. You've, you hate the way they do blah, A, B, C, D, you know, or is it just that you fell in love with someone and that person is not, is not, uh, the same race as you. And I'm not dumb. I'm not saying like, obviously it's just human nature and the wildlife lines, they lines are made with lines, you know, and in humans, Everyone, even for my culture, my parents, family members want me to marry a Rwandan, want me to marry a Rwandan girl from 
who fits in our culture. Not even the fact that I wasn't even born in Rwanda. I was born in Uganda, but they prefer me dating someone who's Rwandan because that's the culture we're raised in, you know? So even within that, there's a standard of we want you to date this person based on what you, you know, one look like and what you were up, uh, brought up in. <clears throat> so that's why I bring up that question is, <clears throat> is that, is that the reason? Is there a reason why you're dating outside your race? Is it a negative reason? Is it because I know there's all these other, um, you know, backstories and everything. But for me, it's tough to scrutinize someone who's in an interracial interracial relationship just because they're either they're black and dating white Mexican, whatever they choose to date. Because one, I don't know what their intentions were for dating that person, but we also see it. But at the same time, we also see the black men that get in trouble due to white women using them. So then also at the same time, I understand why black women get frustrated because they're just like, you're going back to the same thing that was holding me back in the first place. So it's always like a, for me, it's like a catch 22. It's like, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I'm in that situation and it's not what is happening. So it's like, ugh, you know, I don't know. I can't say, you know, cause you guys aren't in the relationship, but like, it's, that's what I see. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously, you being in an inter- interracial relationship, you probably get get all types of looks, comments, stares, whatever. But um, I think black women feel the way, many of us feel the way we feel about this, um, not simply because it's something that we're projecting onto um the men that we see do this, but so many of you make it very clear how you feel about us. So um, the fact that so many of you just, it's not just that you date a white woman or date non-black women. And when I say you, I don't mean you specifically, Conrad. But you, so many black men can't just be with whoever they're with. They have to make it known that they're with this person because they are not like what they perceive black women to be. Um, I mean that, I mean, black men are very, very good at um, making their feelings known about how they feel about black women's appearance, our hair, um, as if we don't have the same hair, which I always think is fascinating. You got the same naps I got, but whatever. Um, (laughs) um, there's a, the, like the best example of this online a couple months ago there was this meme floating around and it was like um it was a it was a meme that had four different pictures and it had a picture of your mother your wife your baby mama and your daughter the baby mama looked like may she was she was the baby mama was always dark skinned and it was a bunch of men doing this on their own like they would make their own meme I can't remember what the hashtag was but the mother always looked like Florida Evans you know the mammy trope the what the baby mama was usually dark skin um a weave the wife was lighter skin she, she was either a lighter skin black woman or she was not black and the daughter looked biracial she looked like the um little girl from um what's that Damon Wayans show the, uh, my wife yeah, she looked like the the girl always managed to look like like 
the girl from My Wife and Kids or or Northwest or something. Yeah, Katie. Yeah, and so all these different uh, black men were doing their own versions of this meme, and it was just so telling. It's like, okay, so your your mom can be Aunt Jemima, and your baby mama can be dark skinned and from the same hood you're from, but you're not gonna wife somebody who looks like you look and looks how your mama look, and you don't want your daughter to look like that either, because your daughter looks like exactly what you want to have sex with, which is a whole nother issue I won't get into right now. Um, but it's like, it's really, it's just, it's just amazing. Um, and so I, I hear you when you, um, when you feel torn and you, you know, it has to be hurtful for, um, for black people to, you know, to look at you a certain way or wonder about you or make judgments or assumptions of you and, and your girlfriend. But I don't know. I mean, we kind of at the same time it also is it yeah, I mean at the same time it also is reality. Um and that's something that I can't just Yeah, I think you kind of you can't, that really was basically how I feel about it kind of right? cuz that's Yeah. It's, I don't agree ahead, with anyone back. who kind of automatically has that snap judgment, but I feel like I can't knock someone for feeling that way, especially a black woman because I mean the reality that you live in, you have all of these different outside factors telling you that you're not as great as these women, and then you see someone who was supposed to be within your community, not, mm. you know, basically reinforcing that same feeling by being with a white woman or anyone outside of your race. So I can, I can understand why you would get that just that snap judgment or that immediate feeling because, right, you know, it's, that's the world you live in. Yeah, I guess and... just to, <clears throat> since I've been quiet for about twenty minutes, uh, because <laughs> I'm fascinated by this, I think it's cool. My answer to the question would be, um, like, I don't care what you feel. I don't care if you think I should be with this person or not. Just keep it to yourself because it's not my business, okay? Really? You have nothing to do with me. Uh, I love who I love. And I will even go as far as to say if I love them for a reason that you don't agree with, still, it's none of your business. So I would, I would just say, like, hey, rather you feel that way or not, uh, I would hope that those um, – those people involved would just keep them their opinions to them themselves because having been in an interracial relationship i have been that guy uh i've been in that that moment uh where you walk into a place and you hear some words and you hear phrases and you hear uh some not nice stuff about the person that you've chosen to date um and i don't I, i've never we, well yeah we definitely talked about it when we were in a relationship um, but it was very hurtful, and I remember thinking, like, man, that really hurts me that my people would talk, my people, who I, uh, my black people would talk about me that way, um, and I understand, I understand now better, since Cammy, um, now better, I don't know if that's proper, <laughs> <laughs> I understand better now that, uh, Cammy has kind of given some of the history, but still, it always it always shook me a little bit that this person that I don't even know has said this thing about me or has this opinion about me without even knowing my first name. And that always bothered me. What's funny about that is that's exactly what black women go through um, with black mm-hmm. men, though. So it's like, you know, the world has their 
views of black women, black people in general. Um, we're not immune to the world's racism. Um, and we're not immune to the world's sexism. And black women are rejected by everyone, including our own men. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, damn, like, out of all people, y'all should be the ones in our corner. And a lot of times you're not. And I don't think, I mean, for the record, I don't, you know, all of this doesn't run through my mind when I see an interracial couple. I mean, I I feel like a good percentage of black women don't really, on the surface, care. Like, you're doing, I don't have time in my day to opine, you know, about me happening across an interracial couple and wondering why, you know, what his motivations were for being with a non-black woman. Like, I'm doing something, like, who who cares? Um, But when so many of you have made your feelings known, like, when you pile on with the rest of the world against us and then we encounter you, it's just like, of course. And, I mean, and and the stats bear this out. I mean, we don't have to really get into stats that much, but... The more education a black man has, the more likely he is to date outside the race. Um, and I think where it is now, it's 25% of of black men marry out, like date or marry out, which is a huge number. That's like double, I think that's over, over twice as much as black women date out. And it's definitely higher than any other demographic. So black men date out more than white men date out. They date out more than white women date out. They date out more than Asian women, Hispanic women, Hispanic men, Asian men, etc. So there, so there's, there's, it's just a lot. Hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a good segue to our kind of a next topic or question is, is that you, is there a double standard when it comes to flip, flipping the roles around? So when there's a black woman dating outside of race. And, you know, if so, or if not, do you think it's maybe because it happens less often or is there less of that history there? What are your guys' thoughts? I would love to hear Cammie's first. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> I would love to hear. <laughs> um, well, there's definitely a double standard um, when black women date out as opposed to when black men date out, but that's because the history is different. Um, I mean, nobody is really checking for black women like that. Um, and so when you see a black woman that's dating out, you know, the, the, I mean, in some circles, it doesn't matter. Like black people should date other black people. And that's just that. But for others, it's not, you know, it's not as bad because it's really hard to find, you know, a black man that you can make a life with, or, you know, one that wants to make a life with you, uh, is probably a better way to put it. Um, and especially when you factor in things like education and, you know, life experience. So if you are a black woman who has, you know, a bachelor's degree and is definitely a master's degree, the number of men that have your level of education or are in your tax bracket um, that want to actually date you diminishes, like, by a lot. And so a lot of black women who you know, are determined to marry black end up what they call dating down. So at some crazy percentage, I think it's 51% of black women are married to men who don't have 
a post-secondary degree. And the I think for white women, that percentage is like 15%. That's like, that's crazy. It's crazy. And so, mm. you know, you know, for a long time, black women were encouraged to, you know, you know, save the community, you know, build the black family, blah, 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 blah. Because, of course, we're always blamed for, you know, black, you know, the falling apart of the black family. Um, but a lot of people have started to question whether or not that's good for black women. Like, OK, so in order for me to date black or marry black, I have to consider dating someone that doesn't have the education that I've had that might not have the life experiences that I have. Um, and when you do that, you kind of dip into the pool for black women who have not gone to college. So if all the black women who are educated um, with bachelors, masters, and PhDs are dating men who work blue collar jobs, where are blue collar black women gonna get husbands? Like. It's 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 complicated. So I don't know. I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm torn about like how I feel about black women dating out. I mean, I think I'm probably, to be honest, more okay with it than vice versa. Um, well, not okay with it. That's the wrong way to put it. But I have less feelings about it about black women dating out than I have about black men dating out. What about you guys? What are your thoughts? Uh, um, <laughs> go ahead, Brian. <laughs> How do you follow that? Cam, <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to come on once a week, okay? Well, we only record once a week. <laughs> I'm all nervous. Uh, look, yeah, I do think there's a double standard. I think Cammy points out some great reasons on why there is and why there probably should be. Uh, I, I think of, of, uh, I'll just go with my one example because we all know I love her. Uh, you think of (laughs) Queen Serena Williams. Um, Serena decides to, uh, allow this young man to propose to her and, uh, she allows this young man to now spend the rest of his life with her, uh, because we all know he doesn't deserve her. Um, just because she's great, not because he's white, but just because he's great or she's great. Um, but you think about that and you know, that trends all day on Twitter in a positive direction. Okay. There are so many women who are black women who are, Oh yeah, Serena, go Serena. That's right. Get go ahead. Get your man. But then when the fake Michael B. Jordan story comes out, he trends in the opposite direction. And those same people are um, literally telling, you know, people to boycott him, uh, boycott Black Panther, which, come on, wasn't ever going to happen. And by the way, get your tickets. If you don't already have them, you're too late, and you might as well wait. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, just right there, you see two very famous people, two people who are sought after by um, many, many men and women, to be honest with you, um, and because they decided to, uh, you know, date outside their race, they get two different reactions. So, I think it's double standard. Um, I think your analogy is a little incomplete because when 
So, in regards to Serena Williams, black men have spent the last 15, 20 years calling her all types of, you know, donkey booty. She looked like a horse. She's this. She's that. She looks like a man. She's built this way. She's not feminine. She's not attractive. Yada, yada, yada. And so, and you know, she dated black men publicly for a while. And then she goes and gets her a white boo. And black women are happy for her. Black men, on the other hand, call her a Negro bedwinch. They call her the white man's whore. And this happens to a lot of black women who date white men. A lot of black men have issues with it. Um, just like black women have issues with black men dating out. And so she got called all types of names when it was announced that she it was engaged to what's-his-face um, by black guys. They called her all types of names in the book. And that's and that's something that's common. I mean, some of these... Um, you know, no tap fools that have large Twitter and YouTube followings like Tariq Nasheed and Tommy Sotomayor and that clown that be recording videos in his mama's basement in Brooklyn. Um, I can't, he's on Facebook. I can't remember his name. And of course, Dr. Umar. Um, they all have something to say about, you know, what it means when, uh, you know, a black woman lets their body be defiled by, you know, a white devil, blah, 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 blah. So, I don't know. I, I want to also state the fact that, hey, many white men have also said some horrible things about Serena and Venus as late as last year. Um, one of the, the coaches from, I think it was, Rom not Romania, maybe Russia, I don't know, uh, but a European country, how about that, um, stated the fact that, hey, looks like, they look like men, they play like men, They she looks this way, that way. So I do want to state the fact that, hey, it is equal opportunity hate on Serena. And I have heard a lot of love for Serena, too, from black men. Uh, so I just want to put that out there, that it's not just black men who have said negative things about Serena. I think for our listeners, if you're listening right now, this is this is not about like hate or hating on people or hating on races. We're just trying to speak the truth to our best of knowledge, especially that's why we have Camila on here. Um, and also to make you that this is reality. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day is that you have to be able to be open as well as also learn, as well as also not forget where you come from. And I think this next question Ron's about to ask um, is pretty good. So I don't know, Ron, hit us off. Yeah, so I, I think we've touched on this a little bit throughout our conversation, Clint, but I'm just going to make sure I open it up for anyone who wants to expound on that. Is the main issue here more so that the fact that black men are dating outside the race or is, or really that anyone's dating outside the race or is the real issue the the reasons behind it so as we've talked about there's men who are just trying to chase power or men who have preconceived notions about the way that black women behave and i think we, we can all agree that when people have those type of thoughts that they automatically make drive up their date decisions those are going to be causing major issues so i mean anything else you guys want to add on to this that topic yeah for me it's just uh it it like hurts me to see um black men 
disrespect their mothers, especially black men in interracial relationships. Um, and I think someone quoted this on Facebook. It's uh, he's a MSU alumni. He ran uh, the uh, Black Student uh, Association. I think it was it's Rashad, and uh, he said something like, "The same Negroes that are out here." Um, in other words, he was basically saying like same people, same black men who are out here dating all these white women are the same people who are disrespecting and talking down to their black mothers, and that's that in for me because I still don't get, I just don't get it. Um, how you can disrespect someone that carried you for nine months, gave you life, um, fed you, protected you, uh, stood up for you, nurtured you. Um, was there for you when you were down, all these things mothers do for you, and you still find a way to trash them. And then once you trash your mother, it's just a slip, um, slippery slope. You start trashing. You, there's no way if you can't respect your black mother, I don't see you respecting any other black woman. Because if you can't respect your own mother, how are you going to respect any other woman? And so to me, it just... That's why, at least personally, that's why I think one of the main reasons besides the history behind it is because I see it in some of my old high school friends that were who started dating interracially and the reasons I saw the way they were one treating their own girlfriends at the time and then the way they were at home treating their mothers. And I'm like, no wonder you're not in a happy relationship. No wonder, <laughs> you know, you're treating these women inappropriately and throwing them around like they're trophies you know and it's to me that's why that question is like is that really i feel like it's more of the reasoning of why you're dating outside um and it's like you can date outside of your culture no one's saying you can't do it no one's sitting there and saying if you do this there might be some people in your family that might not agree with it okay whatever that's their own opinion but if you're dating outside of your culture or outside of your um, race because of negativity hate you shun you're embarrassed of being who you are then that's an issue because if you can't get over that there's no way in hell you're going to be able to build a healthy relationship with whoever you are who you're with and so that's why i always feel that's why I even that question brought up was just like I wanted to hear what the rest of you guys had to say but to me it's just like you cannot respect someone whether you're white whatever race you are if you cannot respect the women in your lives who have been there from the get-go there's no way you're going to learn to respect and treat women correctly period whether you're black white interracial whatever it is and I see that a lot in black men who are of course coming from areas where it, they don't have much and you see them the way they treat these women and you see how they treat um, the other ladies in their families. And it's just like, I see why people are pissed off. And then you go and do the same thing. You might date a white woman, you might date a Mexican woman, but you're still treating them like crap. And so that's why I was just like, that just hurts me in general. Like the way people treat their mothers, especially in those who are interracial relationships. I'm actually... I'm uh, really glad you brought that up 
because um, I don't have the exact stat right now, but I think the the Pew Research Center, um, which is where I got the other stats, um, they did a study and they said that um, black men um, that marry out have a higher divorce rate than any other like coupling, like couple scenarios. So. Um, black men with white women divorce at a higher rate than white men with white women. They divorce at a higher rate than um, black women, white men, and black men and black women. Um, and I think that that speaks to the point you just made. Is like if your motive for dating outside of your race is because, you know, you feel some type of way about black women. I mean, at the end of the day, if a black man doesn't like black women, you know, whatever he doesn't like about black women is what he doesn't like about himself. Um, and that's if you are walking around with a bunch of self-hate issues, you're a destructive person no matter who you're with. And so and so I think you're right about that. Yeah. Be shot. Go ahead. I love the dialogue that's happening right now. Um, I guess the original question was, uh, do we think is... Um, what was it, Ron? Is it who you date versus why you date them? Yeah, is it more so about yeah. who you're, or the reasons behind it? Yeah, I think I think the issue is, or the reason um, I would have an issue, I'll speak for myself, is the reason why you date them, okay? If, if, if those are not, I'll just say pure, uh, then yeah, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and even though it's not my business and I'm not going to say anything to you, I will not respect you for that. So if we take it a bit further and I were to have friends, because I, I don't know if we have this question, but we can definitely put it out there. Like how, you know, how can we um, hold hold up our, our sisters, if you will, and also keep our brothers accountable? You know, I would make sure that I spoke out or said something to my brother and let him know that what he's doing is not okay and tell him the reasons why. Actually, I would just give him Cammy's number and tell him to call her or have her call him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and ultimately, I would not stand for that. So I would not want to be in a relationship or a partnership with that person that friend, or in that friendship. Um, and I think that's a, another discussion we should have. It's like, how do we... How do we keep this going? How do we how do we take it home? Uh, how do people listening take it home and kind of address some of those people that you may know, some of those friends you may have who are doing this um, and doing it for all the all the wrong reasons? So that's my opinion. Now, this one I'm interested in. And I'll tell you why. I was listening to another podcast that we we gave a shout out to last week. Uh, kind of music, kind of movie critics. And they were talking about uh, the Dear White People show, um, which we talked about on a previous podcast as well, episode as well. Um, and the the one of the, the ladies on the podcast said that you cannot be pro-black and date outside of your race. So I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the great one, Cami. Is that true or no? Yes and no. It's yes and no. Um, I say, I say it's not true that you cannot be pro-black and date outside of your race because 
dating a non-black person does not negate how you experience the world as a black person. Um, I don't really think there's anything you can do to lose that experience. Um, and so you definitely still are black. Like, that's not going to change. However, I, I think that if you are black and you date outside your race and you are very vocal about your pro-black beliefs or politics, like if you're a political oriented person, if you are, you know, you consider yourself to be an activist um, or pan-Africanist, um, whatever, if you espouse pro-black politics, then I think partnering, choosing to partner with a non-black person calls that into question. Um, not that you don't have anything valid to say, but there is something to be said about living your politics. Um, I think love as an emotion, I mean, is love love? Yes, absolutely. Love is love. Um, so love as an emotion in and of itself is not inherently political, but choosing to partner with a particular person absolutely is political. And there are a myriad of reasons why we choose our partners. We choose partners based on their personality, based on their social status, based on their their intelligence, their beliefs, you know, what we have in common. Um, and so when you make the choice to partner with someone, whether it be by dating or by marriage, you are saying something about yourself when you choose a partner and choosing a partner is absolutely political and so I think that yeah I think there's I think that there can be an asterisk by your name um if you are one of those people that you know espouses pro-back beliefs um and when I when I when I'm saying this I'm thinking about like Cornel West or you know Harry Belafonte MLK Sydney Poitier. Um, these are, you know, black men who are very well known for being, you know, pro-black or down for the struggle or, you know, in support of black people's civil rights. Um, but these are also men who have chosen to make lives with white women. M.O.K. was married to a black woman, but we all know that, you know, he was cheating on her with, you know, many, many, many white women. And so I think that that I think that doing that might betray your politics a little bit. Um, now, if you have, you know, a we are the world outlook, like worldview, or if you have, you know, the United Colors of Bennington type politics where, you know, you're a person of color per se before you're a black person, then yeah, maybe interracial dating makes more sense to you. Like maybe that's not so much of a contradiction but I feel like there's a lot of I think you open yourself up for a very valid critique if you espouse pro-blackness black politics black love but you don't mirror that in your own life so I mean, because you listed some powerful names, and when you think of, like, the Civil Rights Movement and uh, you think of just movements over time, Harry, Bal Harry Belafonte, Sidney, 
uh, Sydney, like I know him, uh, <laughs> Martin Luther King. <laughs> uh, you think of those people, you you wouldn't, you would not. Most people don't really put two and two together. That hey, yeah, they supported black people, but they also decided to marry white women. So are you basically saying like, hey, it's okay if you do it, but just be ready to answer for it? Or like, how would you say it to those of us who uh, <laughs> who aren't as smart? <laughs> like, are you, are you basically saying like, hey, as long you can date whoever you want to and still be pro-black, but if if you have to, you, you basically have to answer for it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. I mean, if you say you love black women, then choose us. To be blunt about it, um, if you espouse pro-black beliefs, um, but you do not mirror that in your love life or in your personal life, that that might be an indication that your beliefs are not as pro-black as you believe them to be. Um, people like Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, MLK, they had very um, patriarchal views on black liberation and civil rights. Um, and a lot of times women were, black women were excluded from that. So, um, you know, you hear a lot of black men um, complain about black women being concerned for feminist causes like sexual harassment and abuse, domestic violence, equal pay for equal work. Um, and the argument is is always that that takes somehow is distracting or takes away from the struggle for civil rights. And for a black woman, it is impossible for me to choose because I need equal access to housing and education. I also need to be able to walk down the street without being assaulted. And I need to be paid the same wage for my work. And so I'm not really free if I don't have all of those. And... Um, I think that black men who make a name for themselves um, kind of fighting for civil rights or being, you know, a quote unquote intellectual in the way that we view someone like Cornel West or MLK. Um, but I think that their critiques and their, their policies, if you will, usually expose um, a, a weakness in regards to how they view black women or where they place um, the needs of black women in the movement. So does that make sense? So like, so even if you aren't a person who tries to make a living, you know, as an activist or you're not known for, you know, being a scholar or whatever, um, I think I think I just think at the end of the day there is something to be said about living your politics. There just is. So, you know, how can you be a pan Africanist but you don't date black women? Like that makes no that makes no sense. It just it just makes no sense. It just really doesn't. It can't. It can't. And so I think while black men who don't necessarily have issues with black women, I think that's probably offensive to hear. Um which I which I totally get, um, 
but it kind of it kind of is what it is i mean like i said before love is love but love is a choice too like who you choose to love you have a say in that um and so i think you have to be i don't know about willing to have that conversation but i don't think you should be surprised if um if your if your beliefs are called into question or if you're just if if they're interrogated a little bit does this carry on with i might be reaching but if cuz you know if you say you're pro black okay so what about if someone were to say can you be like pro lgbt and straight in politics then in politics does that change the narrative then, I guess? Because, yeah, I'm just trying like to relate it, I guess. Is it is it even if it is even relatable? But can you be pro-LGBT as a straight person on a political standpoint? But obviously you're not dating someone who is, you're not dating same sex or, you know, in that community does that work the same way or is that off or is that reaching? No, I mean, it doesn't work the same way. I mean, it only works. The only way that works if, is if you think that being gay is a choice. So if it's a choice, if you think that, you know, being attracted to the same sex is a choice um, and not just how you are, then sure, that analogy works. But if you believe that gay people are just gay and that's that then i mean i don't really and the same for straight people like i'm cis hetero i'm you know cisgender heterosexual i don't really i don't think i have any choice in the matter and so um. i can't be anything but what i am and so if you're gonna equate um black men dating out or you know anyone dating outside of their race um to you know espousing lgbt rights and not being a member of that community yourself you have you're kind of saying that you know you're hardwired to not want what you look like and if that's true then there are some follow-up questions there right well hey i'm gonna take my asterisk and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on my man and uh yeah, uh i'm gonna take it because i personally think i still can be all and everything that is black even if the woman i fell in love with is not um and i think in particular in this month and was talking with these guys about how we can make this more about showing love to areas in our communities that are not shown um specifically talking about black women and because I do feel strongly about that, I do feel strongly because I do ha- I do have two black queens back home that I love dearly, and want them to um, prosper in life and not have to be afraid because of them being a black women that they can't succeed in life. Well, one of them already is succeeding in life. She's my mother, and I have a younger sister, so I'm always thinking about her and thinking about what she has to deal with in life as a black woman as a black African Rwandan woman. And so that's why I even had this question to ask you, Cami, as in, as black men, yes, we need to be definitely there for our black women. And intellectually and physically, 
what are because I don't think we really got to ask that or answer that question really but it's more of how do we empower black women mentally and physically Uh, because like you said there are a lot of black women who have who are tremendously intelligent and like you said earlier like majority of the men that are up on their level aren't black men so they have to date down or otherwise you said but what are some ways for us because i'm trying to make this more about you know these last couple before we close out this is black christian month and we want to show love to black people and tonight we're showing love on black women so we want to keep that energy and i want to know cammy what what are some ways as black men that we can help that prosper not just for the month of february but for 2018 2019 and so on because it's a dialogue that people don't usually have and in our communities, we need to have that. Um, so what do you think? Um, I think that there's a number of things you can do. You guys can, I mean, intellectually and emotionally, I think, you know, kind of seeding the floor to black women. Um, so giving us our credit when credit is due. So that means not stealing our ideas or um, relying on our labor. Um, I should send you guys some material on emotional labor um, and how that is something that's expected um, of all women, but particularly of black women. Um, that you know we do a lot of work that that is because it's feminized or um, because it is not considered you know, legitimate enough to pay, to be, you know, paid work, um, it goes unacknowledged. And that work is something that can propel people forward, men and, you know, men and women and children. Um, so giving us our credit when it when we deserve it. Um, and then giving us opportunities. So if someone, you know, if someone is looking for a black person to be a representative on whatever a show a newspaper article you know any kind of opportunity you know maybe consider you know saying hey this sounds great and offering you know passing that along to a black woman instead of maybe taking it up yourself um because of i mean if black women are representing are if black women are present then black people are being represented it doesn't always have to be a black man that represents black people like women are people um so you know making sure that we have you know opportunity and using your i mean as men you have privilege in a patriarchal society so if you guys can wield that privilege um in a way that will benefit us i mean we all reap the benefits of that when Black women succeed. Black people in general succeed. Um, so I think that's one thing that you guys could do um, to help out um, emotionally. Not gaslight us. Um, not be emotionally abusive uh, or physically abusive. Um, black. I think black women are more likely than any other race of women um, to be killed by their... Um, by their romantic partners um, or just men in their lives in general. 
so I mean that's that's an issue. I mean that's so that's a real issue. So when you guys like like Brian was saying earlier, when you have friends that um that say something foul or do something foul, you have to check that. I mean there has to be the only the only I think the only way that this changes is if men who have these behaviors are forced to understand that it will cost them something. So, you know, men don't really get um you know, the criminal justice system doesn't really ha- does not handle sexual assault or domestic violence well at all. You know, most abusers do not serve any time for um, for their crimes, but it should cost them something. If you, you know, if you know of a friend or colleague or an acquaintance that is abusive or just foul in general, they shouldn't be able to hang out with you or your friends. It, it should cost them something socially. They should be ostracized. Um, they should be they should be shunned. It it has at some point it has to cost somebody something um, for their ill behavior. And so if you guys were to step up, like Brian said, and always you know be vocal um, or step in where you felt comfortable um, to help out in in situations like that, I think um, that would be a huge benefit. And I think the last thing that would it's not really a short-term thing or not something that um, it's going to yield immediate results. Um, but I think the best thing that black men can do for black women is to do the hard work of um, unlearning your misogyny, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's going to require a lot of work. That requires a lot of reading. Um, that requires a lot of... Um, self-reflection and interrogation um but you'll be better for it and we'll be safer for it um but you know the sooner you guys unlearn all the bs that we have you know been forced to absorb the better off we'll all be Mm. well said as usual Mm. well all right. Well, I think that covers everything that we want to discuss tonight. I think we've hit on so much. <laughs> so once uh, again, Cammy, thank you for joining us. You definitely gave us exactly what we brought you here for, some amazing insight and some great perspective. Oh, definitely yeah. coming back. Cammy, next time you come on, we're going to keep the topics a little light, okay? You can tell us. Whose man's out here pissing you off? Okay, yeah. Tonight, you took us to school, but next time we're gonna keep it ratchet. Okay, we promise you. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So before we get out of here, uh, Cammy, is there anywhere you want to to reach you? Anything you want to put, put put on for? Let them know about. Yes. Okay. So shameless plug. Um, if you are interested in learning about your family's history and your roots, if you um, have roots in the South, then your family members are more than likely going to be represented in the Freedmen's Bureau papers. You can check out um, the National Museum of African American History and Culture's website and go to the Freedmen's Bureau project page and check out the museum's initiative to transcribe the Freedmen's Bureau records word for word. There are nearly 2 million records from the Freedmen's Bureau that cover all facets of African American life right after the Civil War. So if you're curious about what your folks were doing 
right after emancipation, you want to go dumpster diving through uh, this treasure trove of records to find your folks. Um, so please do that. Um, and if you want to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on Twitter. My handle is K-A underscore M as in Molly, E-E underscore L-U-H. All right, nice, mm-hmm. nice. So I'm going to go ahead and switch it up and let you go first this time, B-Shock, so you ain't got to fall out the words of wisdom. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm going to say? Don't at me, at God. I just want to say, uh, like, how dope it is to have a friend like Cammie. Uh, I I always admire you. I always enjoy the time we get to spend together whenever uh, you decide to jet across the country and give us your time of day uh i appreciate it but honestly like it's just so cool uh being able to listen to you and learn from you and to call you a friend so i really appreciate you being on the podcast and um i just wanted to tell you you're 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 so dope to me and i really uh am always inspired by you so that's my plug for this week (laughs) All right, Conrad, you want to go ahead and get the folks something nice yeah. enough words to leave with? Of course, of course. But definitely also I have to give my shout-out to Cammy. I had the privilege to meet her on the big uh, birthday bash we have for Around the Dawn and Miss Amber. And even within those few short days I had to interact with her, Amber, is, like Brian has said, is dope as hell. She's so cool. And it's not just about her intellect. Like She's cool on all levels, uh, music. Everything that you can think about, she was she was on the same level, and she kept those positive vibes. So thanks so much again for coming on the show. Thank you for giving your perspective, um, especially us three guys are always um, honored to have a woman's perspective because you know three brains from a male sometimes don't work together, so we always need the woman's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so thank you so much. And of course, I gotta leave some gems for some people. Um, I tweeted this earlier and, uh, I think Brian retweeted it as well, but, uh, what's that? We learned this in school and it's really blank in my mind right now where you had to like use your name and you had to find words that describe you. What was that called in the English? I know what you're talking about. It's like alliteration, but I forgot the name of the game. Yeah. But anyway, so I found one, but it said... It described friends. And um, this one said, so F stood for friends uh, fight for you. Friends respect you. And the I's friends include you, encourage you, need you, deserve you, stand by you. So if your friends don't do that for you, there's that toxic energy that's holding you down and you need to let go of those so-called friends. And to keep that going with happiness, happiness does not start with a relationship, a degree, a job, or money. It starts with your thoughts and what you tell yourself every single day. Every day you wake up, you start your day off with a clean slate. Whether you want to keep that positive vibes, positive energy, affirmation it's all on you and we have to start training ourselves to be on that level it's hard it's not easy i know i say all these quotes and all these things i see that are about positive vibes it's easy for me to say it's easy for me to express 
but I also not everyone is just gonna do it but I want to encourage you all to do that for yourselves because once you start doing that once you start you know self-loving I and mean, this is the month of love and earlier I said that last time like self it starts with you um, you can't love on your significant other you can't love on this world if it's hard for you if you're not loving on yourself so we gotta start preaching that you're worthy you're loved go out there and love somebody go out there and love the people around you and if you have a chance tomorrow before you start your day i got a little something that might that might help a little bit and if you want to say this you can say it if you want to read it it's a quote by alex ellie she's on twitter and it says today i affirm my circumstances can shape my joy both good and bad it's all about how i look at things through it all, I am blessed beyond measures. So I remember that. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope tomorrow, um, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. We're recording this on the 13th. And we all know some of us love Valentine's Day. Some of us, you know, <laughs> don't really care for it. But, um, <laughs> but, fellas, I hope this message doesn't find you on the couch because you messed up. If you messed up, let us know what you did so we can call you out on who's man's so we can figure out what happened and we might share that story with y'all if you're comfortable enough. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I really hope you guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Um, if you're out in D.C. area, go visit Cammy at the museum. She might help you out. Um, hey, be blessed, be loved. You guys are worthy. Thanks again, Cammy. You're so dope. All right, all right. So before we get out of here, once again, thanks to Cammy for joining us. You are amazing. We definitely got to bring you back. And if anyone wants to join in on this conversation that we've had tonight, we talked about a lot. But if you want to talk about any of it with us, we're more than happy to get right back into it. So you can, there's a lot of different ways you can get at us. You can go for the inbox at whosmanspodcast at gmail.com. You can get at us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's at whosmans on all those. Or I think on Facebook, it's like facebook.com slash whosman. So check us out there. At whosman's podcast, sorry. That's at whosman's podcast on all those. And it, make sure that if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever it is you're checking us out, if you can leave a review or a quick rating, just let the people know that you're enjoying the show. We, we love hearing the feedback. Let us know what we can improve on. We want your honest and open feedback. So don't hold back. If you want to get at me, you can find me on Twitter at TaylorMadeLife. And with that, let's go ahead and get up out of here. Peace hey, out. Hey, Darnold, I know you're going to be one of those folks that's going to be on that couch tomorrow. Let us know, bro. It's okay. Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> you cold-blooded. <laughs>